Good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well. It's Steph. Good Lord, it's 10 to 8. Oh, still, it's 10 to 8 still. On the 29th, I think. It's Monday of October 2006. And we're heading off to work. And we are without video, <laughs> which means that uh, I can uh, relax and not have to check whether uh, Windows Movie Maker has crashed or broken or <laughs> the power cord has come out or uh, something other, other. And also I can not have to worry about messing up the lighting with eye shades and sunglasses and all that. So anyway, I hope that you're doing well. I wanted to talk this morning, actually sort of wanted to ask the help of people who are listening to this this morning. And this is not a uh, plea for donations, though that uh, is a constant undercurrent for me. But this is a um, something I've had little luck over the years throwing off my personality. And I'm just sort of wondering if there are people out there who have some other insight into how I might go about approaching this, uh, the one addiction that I have never really been able to to get rid of, to um, to uh, to throw off in my in my personality, and it seems to sort of settle back into me. It's like holding a balloon underwater, you know. Like I get a certain amount of progress while I um, while I work on it, and then when I stop working on it, which of course is not the purpose of life is not to work on issues, but to be happy. So <laughs> when I stop working on it, then it sort of pops back up almost uh, as if I had never touched it to begin with. And I don't know. I think it's a fairly common issue. I don't know if it's just me, but um, I did want to uh, have a chat about it, uh, throw it out there as something that I've not been able to solve. I've only been able to solve it in weird cliches that don't lead anywhere. And so I thought maybe there would be uh, somebody or a number of people out there who might have uh, some some insight into how I can uh, how I can deal with this uh, this addiction. And my addiction really fundamentally is to the future. And that is uh, that was a joke, well, not a joke exactly, but somebody asked me, uh, I don't know, uh, early on one of the first um, uh, call-in shows uh, asked me, uh, "Are you talking from the future?" And I sort of laughed. And uh, I sort of remember that comment because there's some real truth in it. Nothing sort of grand about it, but I do have this terrible addiction to uh, to the future. And I really have a tough time. And I've talked about this when I was doing the bathrooms <laughs> last weekend, the weekend before last. And um, there was some resonance, I think, with people who had listened to it. But I wanted to talk about this in a pretty clear way because I just can't solve it. I just can't solve it. And it is the root uh, of, uh, I wouldn't say, I mean, it's funny, you know, because I don't think of myself as a workaholic, although lots of other people do. But <laughs> maybe that's important as well. You can't fix what you can't acknowledge. But uh, I, because I do relax, you know, I do, I do relax, but I think that I have a very, very hard time staying in the present in sort of a fundamental way. So I think about uh, abstracts, and of course, abstracts fundamentally around the future. There's very little abstraction in the past. There are lessons which you can get from the past which resolve to abstracts, but they're really only a value and come to life when you talk about the future. 
my childhood is is dead and gone, but uh, if I can extract valuable principles for other people, then their youth, and I've just looked at the demographics of free domain radio, is a lot of 18 to 24-year-olds, so those people are sort of in the final phase of childhood, and our brain sort of stops maturing in our mid-20s. And uh, they can uh, they can be helped uh, through this kind of stuff, but it's only uh, concepts and abstracts in philosophy don't live in the past. Like history is a misnomer, right? History is not about the past; it's about the future. And this is, of course, the great mistake that is made in teaching it to imagine that it's something about the past. Uh, it's not it's not important to know where we got to in the now, because in a sense there really is no now. But it is important to know where we're going and that the principles extracted from the past when looked upon in momentum here, right, if you want to know where an arrow is going to land, then you look at its trajectory and then you can figure that out. If you don't know the trajectory, you don't know where it's going to land. But you don't really figure out the trajectory in order to uh, plot where it's already been because that's unimportant. But if you can plot where it's going to be, that is uh, that is important. <laughs> Don't study the weather patterns to uh, predict the weather yesterday because it's come and gone, but you use it to predict the weather tomorrow, uh, which uh, which is a value. So I do have, I mean, I, I think that this is something that is quite common uh, among philosophers and thinkers and people who like ye old abstract thinking and uh, certainly reading, uh, and I was reading some Schopenhauer last night, and uh, he talks quite a bit about this, that this idea that in the future is a moment that will bring me joy is something that is very uh, very common among men, and it makes you look like this sort of Tuscan ass that has a piece of hay suspended or a carrot suspended on a string, and you're running forward to that, and you feel that as soon as you get there, you will be... Uh, uh, you will be uh, content and happy and fulfilled, and it will all have been worthwhile, that life is an equation that sums up to a moment of achieving a goal, and everything is less valuable until you get there. And that certainly is uh, something that is deeply embedded in my mind, and I simply can't uproot it. I simply cannot uproot this addiction to the future, this addiction to the idea that the culminating joy of my life is to come, not something that I am uh, processing on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, there's a feeling that this is the dress rehearsal and it's important to be good and it's important to learn your lines, but there is the real, uh, the real play is, is, uh, is yet to open. And uh, this is sort of just practice and so on. And it's a very common uh, feeling, I think, among people. I remember John Lennon uh, talking about this, uh, I think it was shortly before he died, um, life is just not like life is not just making plans for your real life, something like that. Uh, and um, uh, it's it's common in in uh, the discontent that we feel, right, relative to goals. Because if you have uh, big goals, and I have big goals, and then just about every moment can be measured with relation to the pursuit of these big goals, or the achievement or lack of achievement of these big goals. And everything becomes like a a stepping stone, right? So, you know, if if for me changing the world is <laughs> is my goal, which it is, but if changing, then I'm you know sort of trying to figure out whether this can be done through my will in the present or whether I'm simply casting seeds for the future. And I think it's more the latter than the former. But if if my goal is to change the world, then the achievement of that goal, 
which obviously is is uh, <laughs> somewhat subjective. Uh, the achievement of that goal is a hundred, right? That's 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 happiness a hundred, right? Because otherwise, why would you aim towards it? You aim towards it to do good and to do good to me to be happy and so on. And that's a hundred. And so you know, if I'm ten percent towards my goal, then I'm happiness ten relative to that sort of happiness hundred goal. And when I'm 50% of the way there, then I'm happiness 50 and so on. And I know that happiness calculus sounds, <laughs> sounds a little odd, and I'm perfectly aware of that. And it's not that I sort of sit and think this stuff consciously, but the spur that kind of uh, whips me on is the idea that the achievement of the goal uh, is going to uh, you know, give me uh, happiness in uh, and sort of complete uh, my happiness and until i get there i have to be uneasy i mean <laughs> this is frankly what goes on for me in an emotional sense i mean don't get me wrong i'm a happy guy and all that love my life but there is a kind of unease in my soul that is because i am constantly and not consciously but constantly measuring myself relative to my objectives and finding myself not there and that breeds a kind of uh, mild, it's not, you know, sweaty palms or anything, but it's just a kind of mild unease that I would say is pretty constant in my life. It doesn't interfere with my happiness in very many moments, and it's sort of a minor background hum, but it's pretty constant. It's pretty constant. So for me, it sort of manifests my, itself as a sort of tension, minor tension around sort of the, the pit of my stomach. And I'm, uh, I'm sick of it. <laughs> I'm absolutely sick of it. And it's becoming more conscious for me because I'm really working on this whole approach of don't do what I don't feel like doing. Like normally I've got a couple of ideas for articles. So normally this weekend I would have dunked into the uh, old article Inkwell and uh, ripped off one or two for uh, Lou Rockwell and some other people to drive more people to the site and so on. And... I didn't. Because I was like, do I feel like doing this? Do I really feel like doing this? Or is this me climbing one more step towards my goal uh, because I feel discontented at my distance from it? And, of course, it was the latter. It was not that I would have... I felt positive, active joy in sitting down and working on uh, an article or two. Because I've, you know, I've got it worked out. But and of course, even if I don't, then I'll have it worked out in very, very short order, and it won't really affect my basic thinking because that all sort of hums along nicely. But it really was for other people to explain to other people uh, an idea that I had, rather than to sort of work it out myself and and you know advance my life thereby. In which case, you know, it'd be like going to the gym, right? So, I mean, if you're already in perfect health and you've just worked out, you don't go to the gym. Again, it's not to say that I'm in perfect health. That's just sort of an extreme metaphor. But, but I, uh, I didn't do it, and uh, I didn't sit down and do the mind-numbing task of gathering emails from the web and sending invitations to Free Domain Radio. And I didn't work on the speech for the Libertarian Party, which is coming up uh, on Saturday, the 4th of November. I think I'm on at 1 p.m. And I didn't do any of these things, and I didn't do uh, uh, one or two things that I could have done for work. And I was reading a book to do with work, which I found kind of dull, and I just stopped uh, reading it because I wasn't enjoying it. 
And so it's funny because I am consciously sort of not doing things out of uneasiness. I'm not doing things because I feel that I should or that, you know, my sort of goal-oriented nature is digging the heels into my flanks and making me start up off relaxing with whatever I'm doing. And so what I did Sunday, and this is when I did the podcast before the show, was I went to buy some books and uh, a computer game. Right, so some books and some, not books on like uh, here's the the calculus of uh, uh, free market uh, uh, ideologies, but uh, you know some funsy books, some just sort of idiot books that are you know fun fun to relax with. And so for me, it was really quite uh, uh, quite interesting to sort of go through that process and to note in myself this absolutely embedded sense of an unconscious measure of where I am relative to my goals and a moving forward towards these goals not based on the joy in the moment of the pursuit but oh this sort of just struck me that here i was talking yesterday <laughs> it's funny how this all lives together in my brain but uh, i was talking yesterday uh, on the show about love being respect for the pursuit not the achievement of virtue right love being respect for the subjugation of the individual will to objective rationality and, and science and logic and so on. And here I'm talking about that I don't necessarily, or like I'm trying to sort of figure this one out, I don't really do it with myself, right? I'm sort of say to myself, well, you know, you're pursuing this goal, right? Not right now, right? And of course, that seems a bit slave driving as well and not too compatible with the idea of freedom that, um, uh, that I must be pursuing uh, this goal uh, and when I'm not pursuing it, then my self-respect dips and my sort of sense of ease and comfort dips and so on. And, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm, just, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of this idea that I sort of sit there foot-tapping uh, sort of critical horn-rimmed glasses uh, and a ruler in my hand, perhaps, saying uh, with, with a certain elasticity, elasticity to my conception of comfort in the moment, right? So it's like, Okay, you can be comfortable in the moment. Yeah, you've earned some rest. You can flop. You can relax. You can go for a walk. You can hit the gym. You can do this kind of stuff. And yet that there's a sort of hourglass that's upended when that occurs. It's like, you know, we're on this train to get to the goal. And when we stop, it's uh, only to, to do maintenance on the train. Uh, it's only to, uh, you know, get some additional fuel. It's only to go over the passenger roster and maybe to let the driver take a break because his eyes are tired, right? So we can do that, but, you know, we, we can do that with the knowledge that this is a timed, unionized break, and by God, we'd better get back on the train and get moving towards our destination because that's what we're here. That's what we're all about. And I've never figured out, and I can't figure out, how to do this balance, right? How to have goals without having unease in my soul relative to my achievement of those goals. I just can't crack that nut. And God knows I've tried for years. And uh, I just uh, I can't figure out how to have a destination with stillness. I mean, that really is the essence. I can't figure out how to have a goal in the future and live contentedly in the here and now. And it is a huge problem. And I know that there's a, the Buddhist solution and the Schopenhauerian solution, which is give up your goals, right? Which is fine, I guess, for Schopenhauer, who didn't have to work a day in his life. But 
and it's fine for the Buddhist monks who were content with you know rags and and bald pates and uh, and begging. But for me, that's not uh, that's not how life works. I mean, I'm a big fan of doodads and trinkets and housing and <laughs> food that's pleasant. And uh, I don't believe that a renunciation of the world and the goals therein are is the source of happiness, right? I also don't believe in the sort of again, this is sort of Schopenhauer slash Aristotle. I don't believe. In the maximum, this doesn't mean that it's wrong. It's just that I don't believe it, and it just doesn't sort of feel right to me, which is not a very good argument, but I'm sort of just talking about what's going on for me emotionally. I don't believe in this Schopenhauerian slash Aristotelian approach that the wise man does not pursue happiness but merely avoids ills, right? that you, you sort of work to avoid uh, want and, and sickness and uh, unpleasant company and uh, false idealism and so on, and then you sort of live uh, easy, live and quiet die, so to speak. You live this small life of just um, uh, of just thinking about philosophy, I guess, or or I, with that kind of idea in mind. And you don't uh, have any particular goals because as soon as you have goals, it's sort of like it's. I mean, it, to me, it's a bit of a paranoid worldview, which is not to say that mine doesn't have tinges of it, but. Um, this is sort of the way that I view that kind of um, of approach to life. It's sort of like, you know, in um, uh, in in every you know movie or thriller that's that's to do with uh, bad guys. There's always a hostage, right? There's always a hostage, and this hostage uh, is basically uh, how the bad guy, how the good guy is is uh, is is messed up and destroyed and undermined or whatever, right? So. The girlfriend or the mother or the wife or the kid or something is snatched and, and the weakness is in the ties to, uh, to the people in the world, right? And uh, that is uh, how people are controlled and manipulated or as I've talked about before in every cop show, they say, you know, where's Bob? And, and then somebody says, well, I don't know where Bob is. And they say, oh, you, you run a restaurant here? Are you sure all your permits? Do you want to get food inspection or something? And then they threaten them with bureaucratic uh, red tape and inspections and tax reviews and audits and so on. Um, and they just, you know, everybody falls into line and so on because they want to avoid those things that they are uh, controlled, where, of course, in the Buddhist sense, you don't, uh, you don't get married, uh, you don't ha- have, um, have a career, uh, you don't have a property, uh, you barely have friends, and you, so, so nothing to be taken away from you. And therefore, you are not controllable in that sense, except, of course, by you sort of live in a live in a monastery and have to wear the same clothes and shave your head and so on. But other than that, you're not controlled. So that side of things, just uh, that whole approach, has never really made a whole lot of sense to me. And. So I've always tried to um, not take that renounce the world approach. I've just never felt that that is a valid approach to uh, dealing with the problem of ambition or uh, of objectives for for life. And I do sort of think that life is an arrow in motion. And I'm not sure, again, I'm not sure how to have that basic belief that goals are worth setting and achieving without the concomitant unease that occurs because I am measuring myself relative to the achievement of those goals and finding myself uh, short or wanting or whatever. So 
that that really is sort of the basic the basic question. And renouncing goals doesn't work for me. Doesn't work for me. And fundamentally, it doesn't work for me because I have a minor Manichaean kind of view of the world, which is that uh, there is a battle uh, of good and evil. There's a battle of good and evil. And I'm still not going to get into the whole etymology of the terms or the root causes. I've talked about all those before, but uh, basically, and again, I'm not saying this is correct. I'm just sort of saying this is what's right at the guts of my soul, that there is a battle between good and evil, and that good does not win by renouncing the world, and the world, in fact, sinks into evil if good renounces the world and renounces goals and objectives. Because, I mean, just to take sort of a, a simple example, the growth of the state is not uh, is not accidental. Right? I mean, the people who want the state to grow do not do so just by randomly doing various behaviors. Right? I mean, uh, what am I going to do today? Am I going <laughs> to strangle a chicken? Am I going to, uh, you know, make love to a workbench? Am I going? They don't just have random actions. They're sort of very purposeful, and they're purposeful, of course, relative to the uh, the setup of the system and all that. I got all of that sort of makes sense to me, but they don't sort of accidentally uh, do these things, right? The growth of power from the ideal minarchist state of the um, uh, of the uh, uh, early American uh, system, right? and then that's about as minarchist as you can get it, and about as minarchist as it's ever been throughout history. And it's not like a whole bunch of evil pencil mustachioed Mr. Burns types are like, ah, excellent, let us grow the state. It will take several generations, my brethren, but we shall get back the power that was thusly taken from us in the founding of the republic and so on, right? I mean, this this sort of is not how it works. People are sort of pursuing moment-to-moment things, but with the goal of sort of maximizing their resources in a corrupt system, which means taking from others in an abstract way. It's abstracted through the hidden violence of the police and, and the military and so on. But... These people are not without goals, right? They're not without goals and desires, and they're not without a step-by-step plan to achieve those goals and desires. And to a large degree, it's like, damn the freedoms of others. This is what we're going for. This is what we're all about. And because they do have these goals, and they do have these step-by-step things that they want to achieve, and they do, even when they sort of want to achieve uh, something in the state to do with I want mechanicalist protection for my cardigans or something, then they go through a step-by-step process of finding the Congress people and bribing them uh, with campaign donations or some sort of preferential thing or whining and dining them or digging up some dirt on them and blackmailing them and so on and getting all of this stuff underway. And the people who want to use the power of the state directly, even those who aren't just sort of doing various lobbying things but those who really get into the machinery – those people have sort of goals and step-by-step things, and they're perfectly aware that if they can get the state to give them these mercantilist protections, they can make a lot of money, be heroes, be thought of as business geniuses, and you know make all the stockbrokers happy and make themselves rich and set their children up for many generations. And like all of the sort of primal aristocratic urges that it's like, I just got to get my uh, goddamn money to hell with everyone else. Uh, it's a, a shock. Uh, it's a sort of feeding frenzy with a shock pack, and I'm going to get my bites in because if I don't, someone else is going to, and my kids will be left in the lurch. And, and people have all of these sort of basic ideas down to this sort of primal blood is thicker than water. I'm going to get some for my family, which is, you know, often driven by the women, or as often driven by the wives as it is hungered for by the husbands. And so they have all these plans and all these goals. And sometimes they know that they need to change the structure of the state in order to get what it is that they want, sort of overvault 
some vestigial appendix of the Constitution and so on. And they do all of these things, and they have long-term goals for their own um, self-interest. And that sort of stuff all all grows. And I don't see, uh, I, I fundamentally can't see, and this could be, of course, just a blindness of my own, so help me out if you, if you have a different opinion, that would be great. I can't for the life of me see how withdrawing from the fray is going to do anything but make the world a worse and worse place. And the fray is philosophical, of course, not military. But that's sort of the basic issue that I have, that I view the world as a, a battle between good and evil. And as um, I think as Napoleon said, uh, whoever wins, the, the army that wins, the courage is on the side of better supply chains or you know, courage is a god is on the side of whoever has the most um, howitzes and so on. That there's a fair amount of planning that goes into winning a war, uh, especially a war of ideas. There's a fair amount of rigor. There's a fair amount of work. There's a fair amount of, of kind of getting these things done. And whether or not this is true, I, I do believe that it is true, but I'm sort of just talking about my feelings, not the syllogisms at the moment. Whether or not it is true, I really do feel uh, urgency. Right? <laughs> I really do feel a very strong sense of uh, of urgency, and unfortunately, I think that if um, if people and, and it could just be that uh, there were all these people around, but the media wasn't around. But I think that there were people around who could have um, made this uh, kind of approaches that we're making here uh, on this show in the past. I kind of wish that they had. Right? I kind of wish that they had. You know, sort of feel like the um, the. <laughs> The airliner of uh, the, uh, the the jumbo jet of virtue is kind of going down, and uh, it's kind of like uh, if you've seen. Um, and I'm not going to talk about the veracity of all of this, but if you've seen that sort of United 57 or whatever that movie is about the um, the passengers who you know myth- mythologically or not take over the plane that's going down over Pennsylvania on 9/11, that I kind of feel like we're breaking into the cabin and. <laughs> You know, we're like, I don't know, like um, a thousand feet off the ground, and the the pull climb of the 747 it can turn around at about 900 feet. So we've got a hell of a lot to do in order to turn this thing around, and we we're still accelerating in the wrong direction. And all of the pilots, I mean, it's been a whole series of pilots that have got us into this, and so on. And so I do feel a fair amount of urgency in uh, in this. I don't think that we have uh, all of the time in the world. Uh, to get the ideas out there. And by that, what I mean is not so much that society is hanging before a precipice, though that could be the case. But uh, you never know at what point um, you know, I'm going to be, uh, in some manner or another, uh, sanctioned or, or some, something's going to happen that is going to cut off, in one way or another, the flow of... Uh, and it's not going to take a lot. I mean, if we've got a letter which said... You have uh, aggressed. You've, you've called for the overthrow of the state, which is illegal. Um, so pull all of this stuff, and and uh, you know we'll now be listening to your show with uh, with you know with, with three guys uh, in in suits, and that that would be sort of not enough to have me stop doing it, but it would be a chill over it, which would certainly uh, reduce the power of what it is uh, I was saying, right? Because you know you don't want to get tangled up in the cogs of government, right? That's a good way to have your life be completely ruined and i'm no martyr that way because i don't believe in sacrificing myself for the causes of others and i don't believe in 
eliminating my own freedoms with the possibility of two generations from now increasing other people's freedoms. So uh, there could be, uh, who knows, could be something, could be nothing. I don't want to sound like, uh, uh, you know, Joe Paranoid, uh, Men in Black watching me or anything like that. Uh, that could occur. Uh, there could be tighter regulation of the, uh, of the Internet. Uh, there could be, uh, who knows, right, what might happen uh, in terms of this, uh, this kind of stuff. And it's you know so it wouldn't take much uh, for me to uh, uh, to back away from what it is that I'm I'm talking about. So there's a kind of urgency there as well, right? So once it's out there and seeded, then whoever wants can sort of reproduce it. So there's urgency. There's a sense that if I don't act, then uh, bad guys are going to win. Well, are going to keep winning and win in the sort of final sense, which is where um, sort of free speech and uh, direct communication and so on is not even. Um, it's not even a possibility anymore uh, in any sort of real sense where the sort of chill goes over the intellectual landscape and uh, and it can happen pretty quickly right i mean the weimar was free and then uh, and then it wasn't right so uh, and and russia was liberalizing uh, at the turn of the 20th century and then in 1917 suddenly uh, it wasn't and of course i'm aware that if it does turn that way and i'm not saying it's about to or anything i'm just saying that there, for me there's a sense of urgency if it did turn that way, then everything that I have um, have posted and podcasted would certainly, I don't think it would get me in particular trouble relative to other people, but it certainly wouldn't be looked on kindly uh, by a fairly powerful state apparatus or an increasingly powerful state apparatus. So I do feel, you know, rightly or wrongly, I do feel a sense of urgency. And, of course, I feel a sense of urgency simply because, you know, I'm sort of one slowly growing voice in uh, in a wilderness of statism and you know classical let's get a party going libertarianism and so i feel a certain amount of urgency from that standpoint and i just i just can't figure out in a sense like if if you're driving a car and your wife is you know about to give birth and you've got to get her to the hospital <laughs> i don't know fundamentally how to exist in that mindset without a sense of tension in my uh, in my soul. Without, an, you know, I don't know how to have crisis urgency in my uh, practice without crisis urgency in my makeup. I don't know how to have elevated goals that require strenuous effort to achieve without, at the same time, not having urgency and a sense of focus and a sense of uh, uh, you know the hourglass is running out in my life, which again really gets to me to the paradox of being enslaved to freedom. And I know that when I talk about a minor tension in my stomach and a sense, a mild sense of urgency in my life, that that's not exactly the same as talking about enslavement, but it is something that I definitely want to tackle. Right? It is something that I definitely want to tackle. So for instance, since the goal of life is happiness, I wonder, I mean, this sort of just popped into my head, and maybe this is why it's important for me to um, to work on this, or for us to work on this together, if you have uh, things which you can talk about, which can help me, which I'm sure that you do. It is important because one of the things that occurs, I think, for people, uh, if the welfare state were to be taken away, right, then one of the things that would occur for people, and... This is a speech from someone in Atlas Shrugged that I think is very well written, and I've thought about it intimately over the years. One of the things that 
people uh, that occurs for people when that sort of safety net is, is taken away is that they then feel that they there's sort of no intervening apparatus between themselves and living on the street or whatever you know that I, I could okay even if I've got six months of wages in the bank if I lose my job and uh, the, the industry goes away for whatever reason I'm a horse and ca- a buggy manufacturer and somebody invents the car then my life uh, has no uh, there's no soft impact landing right I mean that and yeah you could buy insurance for these kinds of things and so on I'm not sort of talking about that because even that would be expensive and the price would go up considerably of course if an industry were dying the price of unemployment insurance would raise considerably but in the sort of natural hurly-burly of life, uh, wherein a virtue is in many ways uh, subsumed to circumstances, right? So it's virtuous to gain a profession and gain a trade, and, uh, but you can't control the value of that trade for the remainder of your life. And, and, so, and you, of course, you can't not spend any money because you have some vague unease that in the future your, your economic value may deteriorate or whatever. So, you know, there are these sort of balanced risks in life, and I just wonder if you know, if this problem can be solved, then great, I have an answer for this, but it sort of popped into my mind that um, uh, people might feel that if there is no sort of uh, uh, indifferent source of income, right, I mean, if you're in a charity, they're going to push you to get a job, and if you're in a, if you're an insurance company, there are going to be lots of criteria to make sure that you're not skiving or, or cheating the system. But... I wonder the degree to which uh, people might not just feel this sense of unease in general, right, that all of this uh, stuff that we accumulate that could be taken away. And I just don't believe that the answer is not to accumulate anything and, you know, live uh, with your kids in a cardboard box. I mean, that, that to me is just an impractical solution. But maybe there's a way to deal with the risks of the future and find ease in the present without eliminating your risks in the future by having nothing in the present, which I just, again, I don't really think is the right, is the right approach. And maybe it's just a natural tension of life. I mean, the answer could be that there is no answer. And the answer could be that if you have goals, which I believe is virtuous, if you, especially if those goals involve virtue, and since I'm talking about people's desire, uh, their love being on their commitment to virtue rather than the day moment-by-moment achievement to vir- of virtue. But, of course, I wonder if that's not an incomplete answer because you can't be perpetually in pursuit of virtue, right? Sometimes you have to go to the washroom. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's as simple as that, right? Some basics as that. Philosophy also has to include bowel movements. I mean, I think that's that's sort of important. So uh, I wonder if, you know, and if a purely free society, whether or not, I mean, I guess people would depend more on more virtuous extended family and people would uh, develop uh, these sort of friendly societies that were going around in the 19th and early 20th century before the welfare state blew them, blew them away where they would uh, have uh, insurance. So, yeah, maybe that would be the case. And, of course, uh, people's, um, uh, uh, people's re- reliance on the endless munificence of the state is absolutely misplaced, right? That they only feel secure because they don't know anything about the long-term effects of state borrowing and so on, right? So the people who are making decisions on the perpetuity of welfare are making extraordinarily bad decisions, but, of course, they don't know it, and maybe that's, um, that's why they feel more comfort and so on. But, uh, no, this is good. I feel better just talking about this kind of stuff. I mean, it's not exactly been a guilty secret, but it has been something that I have been working on to try and solve myself. How am I going to have these overarching goals without a concomitant tension for uh, where I am relative to them? And, of course, the other thing that occurs is that, I mean, let's just take a simple goal. Let's not talk about saving the world. Let's just talk about a simpler goal. I want more people to come to my website. 
I want more people to come to my website. And I've registered with just about every podcast, every search, every podcast site, every search engine. Uh, I've put uh, posts in uh, God knows how many forums about the site, and I've, I've sent uh, hundreds and hundreds of emails to people inviting them. And I think we're doing well, right? We're getting 150 new people coming to the site every day. And the conversion of those to those who want uh, files and so on, I haven't really tracked and worked out, but I think you sort of get, uh, get the idea. And... So I want more people to come to my website. So, you know, we put in Ask a Therapist and so on. And, and uh, oh, please, uh, send stuff in. We only got one email last week to Ask a Therapist, which is unusual. So, uh, please, if you have questions, you do have a free resource here. We're more than happy to help. We're eager to help. You will, uh, you will make us happy by asking for our help. Or actually asking for Christina's help. And you can also say that you actually just want Ask a Therapist to be Christina talking without me interrupting with um, sillyisms. So uh, whatever works for you, just let us know the right format and we'll be happy to comply. But so let's look at that goal. But of course, it's like pushing string, right? You take your actions, you throw your seeds out, and you just randomly hope that some of them will grow. I mean, it's the same thing with donations to some degree, although it's, but there's potential to be more, more proactive about that, which we'll talk about another time. But even just like I want more people to come to the website, I want more people to come to the videos. We've had 10,000 video views in a month. That's good. Actually, a little more than a month now, about six weeks. I think that's good. Of course, I want to get up to a million, right? I mean, who wouldn't, right? I mean, that would be great. Because with that, I could then have the leverage to go and get a radio show on um, uh, on the, um, the Sirius Network or some sort of satellite show. Because there's no way I would get this uh, on uh, on regular radio. So that would be, you know, and that's one step closer, right? One step closer to the goal of total media domination. And one step closer to the goal of getting the word out uh, to more people and having the debate about the uses of violence in social interactions, whether on a collective or individual level, to be part of... Uh, so sort of normalize the debate, the, the uh, anarcho-capitalist debate, to normalize that, to make that a valid sort of slice of the pie that you can choose from the dessert tray rather than, here, I'd like you to eat, you, I'd like you to eat these bugs or you could have that cheesecake of the mainstream, right? I mean, I sort of want to normalize the debate, and in order to do that, I have to get from podcasting to, uh, to radio uh, or to television potentially, but definitely to radio. And to do that, I need to drive people to the website, and I need to drive people to download more video, uh, more podcasts, and so on. And so I take my actions there, and I have this goal. I, if I get enough people, then I can make a, 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 real, a real claim. And I think if I got, like, once I get to 100,000 downloads a month, and we're getting close, then I would say that's a good thing. I also don't want it to be just because I'm stuffing the pipe by releasing 40 podcasts and have, you know, 1,000 listeners, so that's 40,000, that's half the downloads, blah, blah, blah. It's not exactly like... Uh, I don't think people are going <coughs> to put together a show uh, and let me do a radio show because I have uh, 2,000 listeners or whatever. I mean, I want to have uh, decent evidence that there's uh, uh, more than that. So I have this sort of you know, drive people to the website, get people to listen to the podcasts and so on. So I'm trying to constantly um, improve uh, what's going on. I'm a little bit stuck because I, I don't want to go back and re-record old podcasts because uh, that would uh, be enormously time-consuming. And uh, I have had a gentleman who's kindly offered to, um, uh, to uh, clean up some of the podcasts. I sort of got to get around to that. And so, you know, that's sort of the next step is to go to radio, and that's going to require more people and blah, 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 blah. So I try to get that done. But, of course, I have no control over that fundamentally. I have no control over that. I can do the best shows that I can think of, and I can be, you know, as uh, personable and, and entertaining and, and uh, so on and personal because I don't just want to talk about uh, politics uh, and, and philosophy and economics and so on. I also want to talk about the sort of more blood and gut soul march uh, towards freedom that we're all involved in. 
and so I can be as, as honest and, and so on as, as all get up. But fundamentally, uh, I, can't, like, I can't control um, uh, people's, uh, people coming to the website and, and so on. My Google AdWords campaign and so on is all chugging along, and uh, although I haven't really gotten much, uh, maybe a couple dozen hits a month from the 100 bucks um, or so that I'm spending at Free Talk Live, but um, so I can't, uh, I don't have any real control over that, right? So uh, there is a certain sense of, uh, of unease and occasional frustration, as there is sometimes with donations, about how do I get this to work when I don't have any sort of direct lever by which I can make it, uh, make it happen. And again, this is not anything, so don't, don't send me a donation based on this, because it's not your job to manage my frustrations or anything, but, um, but that sort of question is, is, pretty, is pretty significant. I have a goal, and uh, I'm doing what I can to achieve it, and you constantly have to, if you want to sort of get a goal across, you constantly have to be in a state of evaluating your progress relative to that goal, right? Sort of a fundamental thing, right? I mean, if you if you're trying to get somewhere or drive somewhere you want to check the map and make sure you're going in the right direction you haven't taken any wrong turns you uh, look for the next town oh the next town is albuquerque and if it's pittsburgh you probably have done something pretty wrong so i have all of that stuff going on too and so it all becomes kind of complicated right so i have a goal i got to measure where i am relative to that goal I have to constantly adjust my behavior to achieve that goal since I can't achieve that goal directly, right? If I have a goal called mow the lawn, uh, I can achieve it directly, right? I don't have to put out a podcast saying I'd really like it if you'd come over and mow my lawn and then hope that somebody picks up on it and decides to do it, right? So that's sort of the pushing string scenario. Whereas if I just, you know, I have a goal called, you know, paint my house or mow my lawn or whatever, then I could just go and do that thing. That's, you know, that's having direct control over these, uh, over these uh, things, and that's, that's quite a different situation. But when you have indirect control, then you have to sort of, I mean, this is true of sales as well, right? If you have indirect uh, goals, uh, if, you have indir- uh, if you have goals that can't be achieved except through influence uh, and uh, prayer, so to speak, then, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of tension about am I doing the right things to get the right effects in this sort of foggy third party manipulate the machine to pick up the toy and drop it through the slot with the claw kind of situation. Uh, you are working things in a kind of uh, bias backwards kind of way. And so it is hard to know whether you're doing the right things or the wrong things and what's working and what's not. And this is true even for experienced marketers, right? There's a certain amount of mystery and alchemy that goes on in this sort of realm. So, so it is tough to, uh, to figure these kinds, of, uh, these kinds of things out. And there is a certain amount of tension about, you know, am I doing the right things and am I achieving my goals that I can't control and blah, 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 blah. So even on a minor thing like driving people to the website, you know, I'm, I'm pleased uh, but not thrilled, right? So, of course, because I'm pleased but not thrilled, I need to adjust my behavior, and then I need to see how close I am to my goal of however many people per, I can't remember what the plan is, people per site at this time, and so on. So it is all uh, quite a challenge. How do you live with a goal with uh, which is uh, you can't directly achieve and is a real uh, only an effect of other things that you do uh, resulting in other people's choices how do you go about achieving that uh, without feeling any kind of tension on the on the, the on the journey? Uh, it's something again I've never figured out, and this is the fundamentals of my addiction to the future. That I just can't give up the goals. I do believe that there's urgency. I do believe that it's a battle of good and evil, and uh, I do believe that 
uh, time in a variety of ways, and I haven't really communicated those too well, and I don't want you to get the impression that I think anybody's listening from the stage or anything like that, but um, I do... Uh, uh, I do sort of uh, feel that time is of the essence, uh, even if it's just, you know, the bankruptcy is looming or something like that. Um, and so, given all of that, I have yet to figure out how to have these overarching goals with these um, uh, levers that I can barely move at times, it seems, uh, to achieve that goal. Um, you know, you, you do the best work that you can. You have the most honest shows that you can. And you try to be as uh, as open and vulnerable and personal and entertaining as as possible and of course none of that is particularly hard work for me so i don't think i'm manipulating you or anything you do all of that you put out your best work and then you just sort of hope that uh, it strikes a chord uh, with people and i'm not saying that i'm disappointed with the chord we've struck so far i certainly do think that the initial goal the initial growth has definitely uh, plateaued it dipped later in the summer i think as in terms of website hits and so on as people on vacation and so on but uh, definitely I need to sort of find uh, my way to the next step. And so I know that I'm not at the next step and I need to get to the next step or I want to get to the next step for the cause of both my own happiness in achieving it and for the general goal of making the world a happier and better place. And uh, so knowing that I'm falling short of where it is that I want to be, uh, how does that not come with a tension that needs to be corrected? Is there a way to do that? Or is that simply just what happens when you have goals? And if there's no way around it other than to renounce all goals, which I believe would be kind of like a wrong, uh, a very wrong thing to do. So I hope that uh, that sort of outlines the question in a way that uh, that makes sense. And I hope that this uh, is not completely baffling. I'm sure it's not. I think that we all uh, face this this tension between the future and the present. Um, I certainly have gotten rid of the tension to a large degree, well, to a very great degree, between the future and the past, or the present and the past. But the future and the present still is like a... Uh, uh, an Indiana Jones rickety bridge that I'm crossing, uh, which is not always the most relaxing thing, and I would like it to be. I would like to have the goals without the tension. And so if you have any thoughts about that, I certainly would appreciate it. Absolutely putting the call out, you know, from, uh, a, you know, a <laughs> somebody who's stuck in a mud pit. Absolutely putting the call out for somebody to throw me a rope because I can't solve this one to save, uh, to save my uh, tension, so to speak. And so if you have any ideas, I hugely would appreciate it. Donations always welcome. Uh, send some uh, emails to Ask a Therapist if you have questions. And uh, thank you so much to everyone, of course, who joins on the Sunday shows. Your feedback and your questions uh, are, are very, very uh, insightful, very, very intelligent. And uh, it's, uh, it's quite a challenge. So I really appreciate that. And uh, I hope that uh, you understand how uh, crucial your participation is to this, uh, to this process. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Steph out. <laughs>